Live from the NixCast Phanthropological Institute, this week we're talking about Bruce Campbell fans. Hello everyone and welcome to Phanthropological, the podcast where every week we talk about a different fandom. With me, as always, are my good friends G. Hey! Sorry, sorry and, about that. Oh, no, it's okay. I mean, you know, it's good to greet the podcast with some enthusiasm. And uh, also also with me is uh, Z. Hello. Or not. Or, well, <laughs> I mean, you know, enthusiasm is... It's, it's, I guess... I guess well, you've... You've brought the enthusiasm, G. I'm just trying to to bring some uh, some buttery smoothness in which to smother it. Gross. You're trying to balance me out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. With your gravitas over there and your house coat and pipe, probably. <laughs> oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I am. Uh, I'm like the Greninja on a team full of fire type Pokemon. I don't know how what I said connected to what you said. <laughs> balance. Oh, okay. Yep. I, I don't know if that's balance, but we'll uh, we'll say that it is, and uh, and do what all good podcasters do when disaster strikes, and that's keep going, keep moving forward, just like Walt Disney said. Am I right? Because that's what we're talking about. Walt Disney, Walt Disney podcast this week. Um, <laughs> I think I think there are eighty to ninety podcasts on that subject on Podbean. If anyone would oh, like wow. to check those out, but this particular episode is not one of them. Right. That's because this week we are talking about Bruce Campbell fans. As previously mentioned, every episode we talk about a fandom. In particular, we have a hypothesis that a fandom exists. This all started off because at one point I said there was no such thing as coffee fandom. Someone <laughs> proved me wrong. And there are conventions for that. So, so I was going to say at that point, everything went out the window. Yep. And we can no longer assume there is no fandom for anything. Yep. Yeah. And that's exactly why every week we pour through different ideas of, of different levels of obscurity of, of fandoms and try to find something that's interesting to hear about and then dig into it. So uh, I have a, a little blurb about our, our subject for this week, if the two of you will uh, indulge me. Okay. Sure. Okay. This time I went a little bit um, in a little bit of a different direction. So, uh, hear me out. Widely regarded as a god among men and legend to teenage fanboys everywhere, Bruce Campbell's flawless intonation, facial expressions, and sheer awesomeness have dazzled millions for many years. Best known for his role in the Evil Dead movies, Bruce Campbell is often portrayed fighting zombies and shouting things like, Hail to the King, or Give Me Some Sugar, Baby, and is the author of numerous lulzy books such as Make Love the Bruce Campbell Way and If Chins Could Kill. A close friend of Sam Raimi, he can still be found in the odd B-movie, TV spot, or video game here and there, or in TV shows like Burn Notice, Xena, Hercules, or more recently, Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Hmm. I cannot take credit for most of that. That comes from Encyclopedia Dramatica, because, hey, Ooh. let's have some fun this time. It's pretty dramatic. I yeah. agree. At the, at the I first part, I was going to ask if Bruce Campbell himself wrote it. I started with the Encyclopedia, but it was just a bit too... To, um, it wasn't, it didn't have enough 
vocal space. The encyclopedia is really like abstract for me. Like it, some of it, I just don't get it. But I guess that's the point. Yeah, it's billed as being the content-free encyclopedia. That is accurate. <laughs> so the challenge every week is to try to find examples of fandom because often coming up with something about the thing itself is really easy. We like to start off every episode with a little bit of trivia that we found in our different research. And uh, I was wondering what you gentlemen found. Um, so I, want, I managed to find um, Bruce Campbell's film Fanalysis, which is basically not that dissimilar to this podcast. It's Bruce Campbell <laughs> having gone to cons, you know, and meeting with fans for years and years and years and years. And wondering, you know, what makes the fans tick? Why do they come out and do this? And all that. And it's about a half an hour. I mean, it, was, it was pretty entertaining. But in it, he has asked, what's the weirdest thing that someone ever did due to his being famous? And it was basically that someone found where he lived, mm-hmm. drove to his house, which he was not at at the time, apparently, took pictures of his house and tried to sell it online. What? The the pictures or the house? The, the house. <laughs> what? Got a budding scam artist here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't even make sense. How does that show your undying devotion <laughs> to the legend? He didn't even try to meet Bruce Campbell. I know. He didn't, like, creepily wait in his garage until he got back or something. Yeah. I mean, that's not, not like I've tried that, but just an idle idea. What do you think the end game was there? I, I guess his like house... Like, if you're trying to scam someone into buying a house, why have it be specific? He's, like, according to him, he wasn't even owning the house that he was living in. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't know if it was like he was staying at a friend's place or something like that, or, or if he was just there for a little bit or what. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so. I, I, I mean, like, thinking what, about this as a, uh, as a Bruce Campbell fan might, maybe the idea was to have the house sell, then Bruce has nowhere to go, and then, you know, you step up and you finish the con, you say, oh, oh, Mr. Campbell, I happen to have a room open at my <laughs> house. Yeah, that's not suspicious whatsoever. <laughs> Not in the slightest. <laughs> I like the idea that someone would think that that is a good plan. <laughs> On the same vein of Bruce Campbell doing our job for us. Yes. Uh, I found a little bit of, of trivia, which is on the borderline between Bruce Campbell and Bruce Campbell fandom trivia. Sure. So apparently uh, one of the things that he, he does is um, with this other group of folks he has this event called Last Fan Standing. Did either of you come across this? I, I saw that. Yeah. Okay. Well, the way that the game works is you basically it's a trivia game mm-hmm. and it starts with everyone in the audience. Oh, wow. In his own words from this this interview I found on Kickstarter because they attempted to raise 250k on Kickstarter to have another season of this. Oh, wow. Um but in his own words, oh yeah, this game is for schmoes. This is a game for walking right in off the street, 
which we don't want to hire serial killers to answer questions. But at the same time, <laughs> an 18-year-old girl came from behind and people were cheering. Hmm. Some guys start out strong, then they fizzle. Some guys are all talk and then they choke. Some guys <laughs> come from behind. We did it 10 times in two different cities and had a blast. Fans at these conventions can be very shy socially, but if you get them going, man, and you get them in a sweet spot, look, you're playing right into their hands. How much does Thor's hammer weigh? Other people might make fun of them for answering these questions, but we want to give them prizes for how much they know. That sounds really cool. Yeah. But, like, continuing a trend of... I mean, a lot of the research that I did had that. It's like, Bruce Campbell talks about fandom. It's like, well, okay. Thanks, Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) He's very interested in the subject himself. He's made this sort of a kind of inverted sort of research. Yeah. In a lot of my research, I kind of just took what he was saying about the fans and figured, well, the fans must be those things to some extent. So that's what Bruce Campbell fans are like. Well, I mean, it's kind of the tautological definition, right? Like, Bruce Campbell mm-hmm. knows who his fans are because he, his uh, fans. He, is, he is Bruce Campbell and they're his fans, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, we could we could do some research or we could take the man's word for it. <laughs> <laughs> or do a combination of both, which is what yeah. we ended up doing That's anyway. Right. Yeah, yeah. Speaking, though, of uh, of Bruce Campbell and trying to figure out what the fans are all about, apparently... As he has become more uh, adjusted to having these fans, he's started a, a hobby of collecting something from the fans. And currently he has 120 of them. Can either of you guess what these things are? Can I guess twice? Hands. Okay, one, one at a time, yeah. please. Yeah. <laughs> T? Yeah. Sure, guess twice. Okay. okay. Poetry. Okay. Insults. Okay. Could be a little bit of crossover. I'm going to guess fake severed hands. Fake severed hands. I like that guess. Actually, I'll just say severed hands and leave the uh, authenticity ambiguous. What about chainsaws? Boy. Um, Well, severed hands reminds me of a thing I saw on the the deadites.net forum. I didn't actually click through, but uh, apparently they posted a link and a thread about um like things that have actually been bound in human skin as, as a reference to the uh, necronomicon from the movie evil dead um one of the links was apparently somebody had used a human hand to make some kind of a lamp and they were selling it on ebay that's that's great yeah yeah but uh nothing to do with bruce campbell because bruce campbell the things that he's collecting Although uh, severed hands are kind of close in a very, very general sort of sense, general way. Mm. What he collects are actually pictures of Evil Dead fans, Evil Dead tattoos. Ah. I would not say severed hands is even close. Body (laughs) stuff. A hand is a part of the body. Sure. A hand could be tattooed. I, I don't know. I don't... I don't have access to Bruce's collection. You can just say that I'm wrong. It's okay. (laughs) I didn't know. (laughs) All right. All right. Everybody's wrong. Bruce Campbell is right. That I found out. (laughs) I I thought that it was insults because one of the pieces that came across in my research, interestingly enough, in a very short video with an exchange between Lucy Lawless and Bruce Campbell, Hmm. because 
Bruce Campbell was talking about the difference between Lucy Lawless fans and Bruce Campbell fans. Again, yeah. taking away our podcasting duties from us. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Campbell. Uh, he was explaining how Lucy Lawless, her fans are like, oh, when, when you did Xena, you like did it at a point that was very challenging in my life and they want hugs. And mm-hmm. with Bruce Campbell, uh, they're like, they see a man scowling. It's like, okay, well. I really want to give this man a hug. Uh, and instead, uh, they're like, oh, sweet, I got insulted by Bruce Campbell. Hey, that's that's something. Actually, so that's where I thought that was going. There was a Xena fan that was a big part of fan analysis. They interview a bunch of people at the convention, or Bruce interviews a bunch of people at the, at the convention. And he's like, what are the like kind of levels of fandom? Like casual, like sort of into it, like mild obsessive, then out and out geek. And then they had a person who was uh, like dressed as Xena. Mm-hmm. He said, Oh, you know, I just like the top level, like, I don't know, like something crazy, like getting like, <laughs> like facial reconstruction surgery and like changing your name. <laughs> Little did I know she was talking about herself because she legally changed her name to Xena Warrior Princess and had facial reconstruction surgery. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Maybe plastic surgery is more accurate to say. I don't want to say something inaccurate, but had surgery and change your name. I mean, the name changing, I, I feel, is is less onerous. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's ultimately words on a page. But like your face, that's your face. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, like like this this is an interesting person to talk to in the film. But I never didn't realize there was this... Uh, this uh, rivalry here. I I didn't know it was an ongoing rivalry. I know that Bruce Campbell has been in Xena and Hercules. Okay, mm-hmm. yep. But beyond that, I, I don't really know. Now they're also working together on Ash versus the Evil Dead. Ah. That did come up too. I didn't come up with much trivia beyond that because, again, a lot of the research that I found ended up landing me squarely in Bruce Campbell territory. And maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's because... There isn't a Bruce Campbell fandom. There are just people who enjoy his work. He's uh, a part in a larger whole. Mm-hmm. Is like Evil Dead fandom or even B-movie fandom. Yeah. Fair. I'd have one more piece. Okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin this one as a question again. Ooh, exciting. But to make it to raise the stakes a little bit even, even more, it's going to be more exciting now. Um, you have a 50-50 chance of being right. Can I go second? (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Uh, Sure. Go for it. G you can go second. All right. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Which is Bruce Campbell's dominant hand? Oh, I, I found this out. I know this. Oh, all right. Well, I'm going to guess he's a lefty. He is a lefty. He is indeed a lefty. I mean, it's not really notable (laughs) unless he's a lefty. (laughs) I don't know. Unless he's ambidextrous. Oh, that would be a good good trick question. Yeah. Anyway, that came up in in the AMA that he did somewhat recently. I think about 11 months ago. Wait, which when, hand did uh, they cut off in the Evil Dead? The right. The right. Oh, that's convenient. That's why. Yeah, exactly. That's why. So he could still use his left, which is, was much easier 
for him. So sometimes we have a hypothesis that a fandom exists and sometimes that hypothesis is proven or is demonstrated to be false. Uh, this time it was, it does Bruce Campbell fandom exists? I, I'm positing that it does not. What do you guys think? Gee, you seem to have a, have an idea. Um, I would say the Bruce Campbell fans exist. I don't know about Bruce Campbell fandom. There are clearly people who love the guy. Yeah. But I don't know if they on their own have their own unique community compared to like, as we said, Evil Dead or B-movies or anything like that. Mm -hmm. He is a part of that fandom. I think it's it's really hard to see a distinct Bruce Campbell fandom. But kind of uh, parting the kimono inside baseball, pulling back the curtain here. Um, that was the first thing you said. Parting the kimono? Okay. <laughs> one of one of the criteria that we kind of came up with um, at the beginning, before the show was a show, before Phanthropological was a thing, was that we would consider something a fandom if there was a convention for it. And okay. a, All right. a film festival isn't exactly a convention, but ever since 2014, there has been an annual film fest called the Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest or something like that. Uh, okay. How many attendees? Tell me. Ooh. Um, takes place attendees? in Bruce Campbell's house in his living room. <laughs> Him and his wife. Ah. The uh, Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest. I didn't get any numbers. Oh, All we're I know doing research it... on the air. <laughs> <laughs> What I know about it is that it's been running for three years. It started out as a, as something that was sort of like a sidebar convention to, I want to say the Chicago um, Comic Con. I can confirm that. Excellent. And the idea behind it was that it would be this film festival for, for uh, classic horror movies and also for horror movies made by much smaller teams, kind of like the original team behind the Evil Dead movies. And then Bruce Campbell was contacted because he is very iconic in the horror genre. And he's iconic in the horror genre because he starred, you got to start even, in a movie that was like the movies that they want to promote because he seems to have a knack for uh, this whole convention thing. He said yes. And then they named it after him. <laughs> Okay, so I, I didn't I didn't say that like a convention is the thing that makes it a but, fandom. It just gives a much greater indication that there's more passion than I had previously thought. That was yes. one that was one criteria we came up with. That is yeah, there were that, there were several. Yeah, that is only one criteria. And a film fest isn't exactly a convention. I mean it it's a gathering of people who have a shared interest, but it's focused it's way more focused than a convention can be. So True. Like, I think that that's that kind of stand. Like, in my mind, the fact that there's a film fest headed by Bruce Campbell for horror movies, um, old and new, independent, classic, 
stands as sort of a representation of the Bruce Campbell fandom as a whole. He's kind of like, you can say that there are horror fans, you can say that there's a horror fandom, but sort of the champion of that fandom, one of them anyway, is Bruce Campbell. All right. I mean, we always we always talk about, you know, to be a fan, you just need to say you're a fan. That's not useful yeah. as far as the podcast is concerned, because... Every week, you don't want to hear about people who are just interested in a thing. You want to hear about the unique elements of that culture. Mm-hmm. And I understand where you're coming from, Z, saying you've got a spokesperson for horror yep. as, a, as a genre. That's Bruce Campbell. He has his own convention. Mm-hmm. I'm actually... I see that, and I contest that, because I've got words okay. straight from the chin to seem to contest... <laughs> I've got. I've also got some words straight from the chin, but uh, you can go first. Yeah, just that seemed to fly in the face of that. So in the same article, um, the interview with Bruce Campbell called "Hail to the King" uh, from a, um, it was I think it's related to the Kickstarter campaign. Hmm. Somebody asked, you know, there's lots of things that you're in. You're in uh, Briscoe <laughs> County Junior, Hercules, yeah. Xena. Does it always come back to Evil Dead? And I'm not going to read the entire thing, but the answer is no. People know him from Burn Notice, but don't know him from Evil Dead. People will know him from Briscoe County and know that he's an Evil Dead, but have no interest in seeing that because it's horror or whatever, because they're not horror movie fans. Yeah. There will be people who you know, have seen him in different things and are aware of him as a, a person in cameos, but again, not following him as a fandom. And that's just that's just talking about you know assuming that a fan follows uh, the entire area of something, right? Like when yeah. we're talking about Sailor Moon, you know, people who like Sailor Moon, people who are Sailor Moon fans are not just fans of Sailor Moon S or Sailor Moon R. They might <laughs> like those things more or less, but they are a fan of Sailor Moon entirely. They're, nobody's going to say, oh, I never heard of the anime. Yeah. yeah. I think that is one nail and I'm sure what we can find are, are many <laughs> nails in the coffin of why Bruce Campbell fandom is not actually a thing. As I as I look at the nails in my hand, um, I'm starting to see that they are also they've got they've got coffin written on them as well, because <laughs> the the words of the Chin himself that I was going to point out come from his book If Chins Could Kill, hey. and the thing the thing with this quote is that it's directed directly at Deadites, the name for Evil Dead fans, whom Bruce Campbell describes as spiked, pierced, leather-clad. Interesting. But those are Evil Dead fans, not Bruce Campbell fans. Hmm. But even even in that, uh, that AMA, he mentioned something similar to what you said, uh, T, how there will be people who saw him in Briscoe and they're like, oh man, he's this cowboy actor. He's really cool. And then there are people who saw him in the Evil Dead movies and they're like, oh man, he's this crazy zombie killer. But very rarely do those people cross over. Well, as I take a quick look in the coffin before all of the nails have shut it, find that the coffin is empty because the corpse has risen. Because I think we got Bruce Campbell fest starting three years ago in the future there may be bruce campbell fan- like a greater bruce campbell fandom right now there isn't he was in a bunch of stuff we basically rolled the dice and got snake eyes on this but yep because not none of us are particularly into what he's usually in i'm sure we've all seen him around mm-hmm. we all know people love him 
Yeah. He's, you know, you see, you know, I've, I've had friends with the Army of Darkness poster on their wall. You see, <laughs> you see all the Evil Dead stuff and all the cons. Yeah. We're very aware, you know, corner of the eye. But uh, we didn't know until we knew, which is this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I like talking about uh, Bruce Campbell Fest. If that does become a thing, it it would be pretty cool. And I think there's definitely enough there because, I mean, maybe it's this magical formula that uh, he stumbled upon. But being a character actor has allowed him to do a lot of stuff. And I mean, he's even he's even said that uh, the fans typecast him more usually as Ash, than the industry typecasts him because he's been in things like as diverse as Briscoe, which is a Western TV show, um, The Evil Dead, but then you've got a, a spy show, Burn Notice. Burn yep. Notice. And then you've got, yeah, and then you've got like just little cameos and things like the Sam Raimi, Wizard of Oz, all these different appearances all over the place. To a studio, he has a portfolio to yes. a fan, he portrayed that character I love so much. <laughs> so they're going to identify him very strongly with that particular thing they saw him in that they loved him. Yeah. A good example of why I would say there is a... Uh, we've already exhumed the corpse, etc. But <laughs> have either have either of you heard of Alien Apocalypse? Uh, no. Okay. Well, it I is, haven't. Okay. Is it a video game? No, it's it's a, a movie. I think he is about to, about to say what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a movie, Alien Apocalypse. I think it was a made-for-TV movie. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Go on. I know what you okay. mean. Okay. Yeah. Um, it is awful. We'll start with that. And I'm like, it's not even B movie. It is like C movie. It is about <laughs> Bruce Campbell is an astronaut in space for like 20 years or 10 years or something. After 10 years, they come back to Earth, but Earth has been conquered by praying mantis people who enslave humanity in 10 years. Um, <laughs> they eat human fingers. All of their spaceships are made of wood. <laughs> it's been 10 years, but nobody remembers the United States of America. <laughs> anyway, you know what I don't hear Bruce Campbell fans talking about? That movie. I I have a, fa- a friend who I have a fan. I have a friend fan <laughs> who loves Bruce Campbell. He has read, I believe, all of his different uh, biographies. Loves Evil Dead. Um, I don't know if he's seen a lot of the television shows, which I guess makes him more of a deadite. But you know, still a huge fan of Bruce Campbell, the man. Mm-hmm. And I've brought up Alien Apocalypse, and I. Do not think he has ever heard of that movie before. Wow. <laughs> and I mean, it's not that, uh, you know, every fan of something should know of every obscure piece of mm-hmm. work that somebody has done. But I might argue that Bruce Campbell is a man whose work is many character pieces. Yeah. It's like when you see like a method actor or um, I guess a character actor who shows up in many TV shows, but is only in for like one episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not not TV shows so much as movies, but say Gary Oldman. Oh man, yeah. Who's in everything as a completely different <laughs> character. Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. Not yeah. less less so in recent years. He's, I think he is more often similar characters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. Yep. I yep. again, I would not say Morgan Freeman is a character actor. 
Oh no! I'd say he's hired to be Morgan Freeman. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, well, there is one movie that uh, fans don't care for in uh, in Bruce's oeuvre. Bubba Hotep. Actually, Bubba Hotep was apparently dearly loved. Okay, I was going to say 1995's Gorilla Thriller, Congo. Oh, was he in that? Apparently he was in it. He plays one of the members of the uh, the first expedition, the one that winds up, uh, well, dying a few a few minutes in. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they don't like Congo, or they don't like that he died early on? In I, I feel like it's they don't like that he died early on. Because as soon as I saw the intro to Mortal Kombat Annihilation and Johnny Cage died, I checked out of the movie. <laughs> I mean, I watched the rest of it, but I did not enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, I, f- I really feel for uh, for Sean Bean fans then. Sean Bean? I mean, Sean there's a, there's a, there has to be an understanding <laughs> with Sean Bean fans. I guess with Sean Bean fans, if he doesn't die in the first 10 minutes, they're like, oh, what what is this? And they turn it off. They savor every precious moment. <laughs> That he's on screen. It's, it's funny because I was, I was going to ask a question and then I realized as I was about to ask the question, my hands are like, I'm in the exact pose that that uh, Boromir meme is. <laughs> you know, the one one does not simply walk. Yes. And it's like, that's that's Sean. That's Sean Bean. It's the legacy yeah. of Sean Bean. I mean, many, many characters. Um, what I was going to say is, all right, rather than desecrating this corpse rather than <laughs> calling it rather than calling it the necronomicon Ooh. and you know clatu verata nec- <laughs> i'm gonna pose a question to the two of you all right and it actually has very little almost nothing it's tangential to what we're talking about and that question is do you think that in general celebrity fandoms are a thing so we talked about bruce campbell not a not a fandom Evil Dead, probably a fandom, not explored, to be discovered. Do you think there are actors where there is for sure a fandom, or just in general that is not a thing? Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm going to type into Google. (laughs) Nicolas Cage fandom. Oh boy. Okay, alright. And if that doesn't return anything... Then my answer is no. <laughs> All right. Well, G's doing that. How about you, Z? <laughs> well, okay. I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, other actors who have done a lot of things. And one of the first... Oh, boy. One of the first to jump to mind is Christopher Lee, who who also did a lot of things. Was in a lot of movies, um, sang in a metal band was uh was i want to say some sort of spy in in the second world war um you know he did a lot of stuff and was a very interesting person just on his own but then i think of your standard run-of-the-mill celebrity like your brad pitt or your scarlett johansson or you know just celebrities that are in big movies but they're just celebrities and i I don't really think that there are fandoms around celebrities, maybe with okay. some exceptions. But all right, um, I'm gonna 
I'm going to interject before G tells us his hilarious result. I agree with you, Z, that in general, I don't think there is such a thing as celebrity fandom. However, I can definitely think of a few examples where there is probably a celebrity fandom, and those examples I can think of are probably Vin Diesel. Okay. Uh, the Rock. Okay, yeah. Because he, Ooh. like, he, there, the, I think the that's carryover, probably, I think, yeah, from wrestling, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Uh, those are the examples that I can think of, but I mean, forget wherever I was going, because I'm very <laughs> interested in this Nicolas Cage avenue. So, you know how... Google will often bring up um, commonly asked questions about something that you search. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, it's not a link to a website. It's just like right there in the search, the autocomplete, not, not the autocomplete, but it's like, here's a question. And then like a little answer. If it's like just a little factual thing. Okay. So how did Nicolas Cage become famous is one of the questions. Also, one of the questions is Nicolas Cage real. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, on, you know, speaking legally, I don't think he is. I mean, unless uh, Nicholas Coppola changed his name officially. It's his, it's his like SAG name or whatever. <laughs> the answer is just like he was born here and these are his parents or whatever. But, uh, but like, that's what made me laugh so hard. So we have the subreddit R one true God. <laughs> <laughs> And given that, I'm going to say that, yes, celebrity fandom exists. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, not, to, not to derail anything, but uh, looking, at, looking at the results of uh, Nicolas Cage fandom punched into Google, uh, I think there's something there. Okay. We also, on change.org, oh, no. have a petition. Oh, yeah. oh no. For... Nicholas Cage to take a person to prom. <laughs> oh, okay. That's that's way better than I was expecting. It has 101 supporters so far. <laughs> with a goal of 200. <laughs> what? That's, well, okay. that's not bad. Whoever this person is who wants Nicholas Cage to take them to prom, if you're listening to this podcast, here's what you have to do. You have to get either get your hands on a real dinosaur fossil or make a fake one, and then tell Nicolas Cage about it, and he will be there so fast. We'll put a link to this in the show notes. Let's let's get let's get Nicolas Cage to take it to prom. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can do it. Okay, so okay. Que- question answered. There will be other celebrity fandoms, and you know what that means, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. That means we're going to have to explore the depraved depths of other celebrity fandom. Goes without saying that Nicolas Cage is on that list. Oh yes, that's a little that's a little preview. Mm-hmm. Yes, Nicolas Cage is an extreme example. I don't think there are that many probably, uh, probably compared not. to like you know like IPs or whatever that people are fans of. Yeah, like I'd, I'd be watching Moon mm-hmm. or even Iron Man two and being like, I could watch Sam Rockwell in anything. <laughs> <laughs> He's fantastic. He's one of my favorite actors. It does not stir me to any action beyond enjoying things that i see him in yeah or maybe being slightly more likely to see something that he is in yeah again i think people can be fans are or are fans of uh of actors but uh in terms of the fandom that's a little harder they have to have something about them that's particular 
other than being good in movies or TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. In terms of in terms of Nicolas Cage fandom, I think it helps that he is very memeable. A meme helps. Yeah, well, several memes. Oh, man. Um, but speak, getting back to Bruce Campbell a little bit, I think maybe the reason why he doesn't have the same sort of fandom around him or doesn't seem to anyway is because, like you said, G, about Sam Rockwell, if he's in something, you'll go see it and you enjoy seeing him in things, you think he's a really good actor. I think a lot of the people who um, who meet go to meet Bruce Campbell at conventions or film screenings or whatever um, do so because they think that he's a good actor. Like They enjoy seeing him in things. But calling back to the, uh, the scale of fandom that you were talking about from uh, that little video with Lucy Lawless and Bruce Campbell-T, um, I think for the most part, people who are Bruce Campbell fans, like, relative to their fandom or fanship around Bruce Campbell, it's more of a sort of casual fanship. But then looking at the sort of specific things that he's been in, that's where it becomes way more obsessive. This is making me want to have an episode where we just pick apart what what we mean by fandom. But that episode is <laughs> not today that is something that requires a little bit of research it will be dropped piece by piece into every episode (laughs) of phanthropological yep we'll just give you the give you the time codes and show you how to make a supercut this is like uh mcbain and the simpsons Ooh, sure (laughs) oh man all right um (laughs) it's a deep cut it's in there it's in there watching fanalysis at the end, Bruce talks about the yin and yang of, I guess, fandom. He being one and the fans being the other, or like celebrity being one and the fans being the other. Okay. And he talks about how they need each other, like interact because the fans love seeing him and he really enjoys getting feedback from the fans. Yeah. But that they don't ever blend or should not blend. Mm. Because on that on that Reddit AMA talks about he did not grow up being a horror movie or B-movie fan. That's true. He was just in this thing. Interesting. Yeah, he was just friends with Sam Raimi and was an actor. So why not be in Sam Raimi's movie? Yeah. Well, as a counterexample, we've got Star Trek, though. Mm -hmm. Like, we talked about that at length in the Star Trek episode about fans of the show working on the show that's true even within star trek though one one of the things that we observed or at least read about um was that when star trek fans first got together it was at sci-fi conventions and at sci-fi conventions the the sort of vibe was that star trek fans weren't real sci-fi fans so star trek fans were like this this offshoot of Star Trek fandom. So like the fact that the fans started to work on the show to me says more about like the separateness of that community, if that makes sense. And then obviously uh, in the, in this modern age of ours, Star Trek fans and sci-fi fans are like, I don't know, bread and butter. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I guess I would, I would go back to G and be like, Hey, uh, do you want to tell us a bit more that, about that? Because I don't know what Bruce Campbell means. And you read the article. 
uh, watch the watch. Sorry, yeah. analysis. That's right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't entirely understand it myself, but like what I was gonna say is, um, whereas people who are a fan of him as Ash or whatever in Evil Dead can't be like, oh man, you remember this Roger Corman movie? Like this, like there's there's not a bond there of a shared interest. Because they want to see him, and he's interested in meeting them, and he's like he's great with fans, as the that documentary showed. But it's not, it's not about a shared interest. Whereas if you go up to Quentin Tarantino and you're like, "Hey man, do you see Thirty Six Chamber of the Shaolin?" He'd be like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> so maybe that's maybe that's what he's talking about because he doesn't see himself as a fan. Because there's a lot of interviews with people who are dressed up. And he gets people to talk about, oh, you know, by day I'm an electrician, by day I work for the government or a paramedic. And that's really, like, this is my fun time. This is where I get to let it all out. There's a lot of that, mm-hmm. which means he's, he's interested in, like, the contrast in their in their lives. Like, this is what they do in their, for fun. And yeah. it's kind of more or less Bruce Campbell's job. <laughs> and he talks about himself as kind of being, like, like keeping his keeping his face out there, almost like a salesman. Yeah. But he doesn't see himself as being part of that at all. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't feel, you know, passionate enough to dress up or like go to a convention or something like that as yeah. a fan of something. Well, he sees right. he, he sees it on as on the other side as being the creator side. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that that he sees it as being on the creator side. But I mean, reading all these interviews with him and reading the interviewer's description of him. It sounds like he's always wearing a suit and he's always sort of like dressed, maybe not to the nines, but let's let's say to the eights. He's dressed very well. I kind of wonder if that's a form of cosplay for him. Well, actually, oh. yes and no. Things may have changed in this movie's 15 years old, 16 years old. Okay. Those things may have changed since then. I see in the after Bruce Campbell's fest, he's wearing a suit with a lovely ascot. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's looking great. But at that time, he was wearing like kind of the sort of Hawaiian shirt. He called it a martini shirt. Right. Um, and he said he doesn't want to dress up too much because he wants to appear approachable to fans. Interesting. So his his outfit is is for thought. Yeah. But and, and again, that's, that might have changed in the 16 years since he did that documentary. Yeah, I kind of wonder then if if part of the change is because he's he's sort of well, he, like he hasn't been in as much as he was in the '90s. He's still been in a lot of things, but it seems like his gigs are a little fewer and far between. Maybe and then more more selective. Yeah, yeah, much more selective. And then I kind of wonder, you know, sitting uh, sitting Bruce down on the psychologist's couch for a second, I kind of wonder if that has to do with his dad being an ad man, and he's kind of like channeling his dad. Oh, perhaps. Because I, I forget if it was in the AMA or somewhere else, but somebody asked him, you know, how does it feel to see all these people with tattoos of, of your face? And he said, <laughs> if my dad could see this, he'd be he'd be really proud of the fact because it would, to him it would be like free advertising. So he does he does think of it that way. Yeah. It's just kind of kind of an interesting shift because yeah, there were a lot of when I was doing my research I did come across a lot of photos of him in uh, Hawaiian shirts and just kind of, you know, hanging out by the bar. But then 
it seems like the more recent stuff has him in suits. And his persona slightly as he ages, perhaps. Possibly. I mean, one of the things that really stuck out um, to me when I was reading the AMA was that, you know, a bunch of fans asked, you know, what if this, what if that, what if, what if you could, you know, be any character in any movie, what one would you want to be? And uh, his answer to the first of these questions was actors are just too practical to play the what if game. Fans play the what if game. Interesting. Yeah. I also found it interesting how when uh, he was asked about, you know, I, I think the question was, how does it feel to be, you know, so tightly related to the Evil Dead and all that? Um, and he said something to the effect of, we need all the help we can get. And I don't know who the we is, if it's like B-movie actors or the horror genre or, or Specifically what. the Evil Dead crew. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Well, Ted Raimi... I believe it's Sam's brother mm-hmm. was also interviewed in, in analysis. Mm-hmm. And he says that when you go to conventions, fan expect a certain kind of you mm. like, you know, I want you to be like, you know, maybe more charismatic that, or, or more upbeat than you are normally. Or like, like with sort of allusion to characters that you played or like a glimpse. But he says that he enjoys meeting and getting feedback from fans because how else do you know you're good? <laughs> it's true it's true kind of goes back to his old thing about the yin yang of celebrity and fans yeah bruce would say that he he likes to take the pulse of yeah. the fans not literally but just to see uh <laughs> whatever whatever he's feeling whatever he's thinking yeah well i remember i remember in another interview it was an, an interview with abraham reisman from just well from october 7th 2016 and uh in this interview bruce says that over time you know because at first he was really annoyed that everybody just referred to him as as ash everybody just saw him as ash when he was first going to conventions in the late 80s i want to say 1988 but over time he just learned that you got to give the people what they want so it makes a whole lot of sense that he would be out there taking the pulse of the fans to get an idea of what they want hmm One thing I found, I don't know if you guys happened upon this, this is from 2009. There's a lot of uh, rumor about Bruce Campbell playing playing a villain in uh, Spider-Man 4, which I guess did not happen. Yeah. Yeah, he was going to be Mysterio. Yeah. Hmm. This, was, this was before that was confirmed. But this was a poll of what people wanted to see him as. 48% said Mysterio. 18% said, I don't care as long as he has a big role. um and they have a couple of people explaining their choices and brooklyn king says he should be carnage first starting out as a serial killer then becomes the bloodthirsty carnage when dr connor's transforms into the deadly lizard accidentally knocking the jar holding the symbiote from the last film while carnage is causing rampage in the city the lizard is making a reptile army in the sewers and subways save craven and mysterio from the sinister six in spider-man six that's my view of the film. Please make this movie worth the four years I've been waiting because Raimi hasn't failed with the last three Spider-Man films yet. Wow. So it's ostensibly about what role Bruce Campbell would play. 
But there is a lot happening in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's just expectations and desires of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man franchise. Wow. Yeah, aside, I mean, geez, aside from like the Avengers and the Justice League movies, maybe if you take those two continuities, well, those two series of movies together, I don't think we've had a, a superhero movie that's that's gone up to number number four, let alone number six. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, fans, yeah. No. Fans have ambitious dreams. X Men. Yep. Mm. Yeah. It's all part of the same continuity. Well, yeah, well, but, I mean, they're not numbered. It is it's not like X Men. Yes, but X-Men it is four. There's a sixth movie in the franchise. Well, yeah, but oh, I mean, sorry. Like, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking continuous numbers like Spider-Man four, and then five, and then six. I mean, as that sorry. fan was hoping, isn't that? I don't think the fan particularly cared whether they were called Spider-Man six or well, Spider-Man: not... <laughs> The Revenge of Carnage. I'm saying the <laughs> X-Men movies have six consecutive films all in the same continuity. All right, all right. Does he keep this in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you make me look terrible. Him. <laughs> so, I managed to get a copy of Bruce Campbell's book, If Chins Could Kill. And in that book, there are a bunch of different emails just kind of strewn about, usually between chapters and that kind of thing. And uh, reading one of these emails really struck me as kind of kind of definitive fact, I guess, as to why people like Bruce Campbell, specifically Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 even more specifically. So here we go. An, an email blast from the past, which would have been sent in the late 90s, possibly early 2000s. Subject, thanks a mill. Bruce. I just wanted to drop you a note and say thanks. Now, this isn't meant to boost any bloated Hollywood egos or anything. This is an honest-to-God, real-life thank you for making my day a little better. You know how it is. You come home from your crap job after getting belittled for eight hours for whatever it is you didn't do fast enough with a good round of hour-long traffic on both sides of the equation. Anyway, Friday, I got home after a really swell day at the office... And I think, gee, what can I do to cheer myself up? Maybe go socialize with actual people? Maybe look on the internet for cheap love? No way, brother. For days that are as bad as that one, the only thing that you can really do is pop in the trusty copy of Evil Dead 2 and see another regular Joe have a really bad day too, which is why I wanted to say thanks. After a really crappy day, something that can make you forget it for a while and make you smile is worth a million thanks. Regards, GP. Man, that's a that's a pretty cool. I wasn't expecting that. I thought it was gonna be like nasty. <laughs> there were there were one or two emails that were like that were just internet trolls before there were forums for them to really sink their teeth into. But that's like. It does speak to the, you know, Ash is just like the everyman. Yeah. 
in a in an insane situation. Yeah, yeah. Bruce himself even said that in the uh, the AMA. He just wanted Ash to be relatable because he was talking about how he didn't grow up reading uh, superhero comics because he just couldn't relate to these superheroes. Hmm. But Ash has no superpower, no special training. He's just an average Joe. Very much the Arthur Dent of the, <laughs> the zombie world. <laughs> you mean the late Dent Arthur Dent? That's right. <laughs> All right. Is it time for the spotlight? It's time for the spotlight. All right. Hey, everybody. This is the part of the show where we shine the spotlight on something. And by something, I mean we take a look at something that's out there on Twitter, an interesting website, an interesting event, product, etc. doesn't matter. It's just something that we thought was really neat, and we wanted to shine a little bit of extra light on it, give it a little bit of a signal boost, whatever that may be. This week, what I have for the two of you, or I guess for the internet at large, but you two are here with me right now, <laughs> so you can hear me describe it. I was reading through Kotaku, and that is not what I'm shining the spotlight on. I was reading through that uh, as part of my digest of, of things from io9, and I think it's in the same network. And I learned about an interesting new site called Anime Feminist, which is Hmm. uh, a group of 20 or so contributors um, who, you know, uh, wow, this is an interesting, how, how's, what's the best way to put it? Um, Anime has a lot of tropes, in particular fan service, and often anime is not something that is particularly critiqued. A lot of things are are brushed aside as just being, that's the way things are. Uh, Anime Feminist. In Japan, well, even it's not very much critiqued here either. Well, yeah. Anyway, anime is from Japan. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Little little Um, Bob uh, reference there. (laughs) Anyway, this site, uh, what their goal is, is kind of to um, produce articles that kind of give a more critical lens to anime, in particular newer Mm -hmm. anime, but they're hoping to to get to older stuff as well. So so far they have. Um, I believe that they have reviewed the fall anime season that you can find on Crunchyroll. And they, they take it from a feminist lens, not because they think that uh, things like fan service are terrible and should be banned, but because they want to encourage more diversity in terms of the stories that are told or just better storytelling, mm-hmm. because sometimes fan service serves as like a, a just a way for lazy storytelling. I think it's a great discussion to be had. When, as soon as you said the words anime and feminism, I was like, of course. Yeah. Well, when yeah. I found out that the website is animefeminist.com, I was like, I'm very surprised nobody's taken this domain. Um, to just give a couple ideas of some of the articles, most of which are our reviews. Uh, so Review, March Comes in Like a Lion, or Review, Poco's Udon World, um, Fan versus Service, Black Lagoon versus Tengen, Topagur, and Ligon. I don't know if either of you are familiar with those two shows, but they were very different. I've heard of uh, okay. a review of a book called What is Obscenity? Vagina, Kayaks, Pussy, and the Law. My fave is Problematic School Days, which I believe is uh, an article about somebody's favorite show that is problematic from a feminist perspective. And an update uh, about, you know, they, they put this site out and they you can support them on Patreon. Uh, update, why are so many men supporting any femme and other questions? If anyone's interested in checking that out, you can go to animefeminist.com and uh, they'll, I presume they'll continue to post updates and they would 
enjoy your support and interest and reading and all that good stuff. That is what I chose to shine the spotlight on and what I'm going to probably start calling T-Spotlight because I'm the only one. Shine the spotlight on things. (laughs) Yeah. To receive a letter to Hogwarts in advance of our Harry Potter episode next week, please give us a five-star review on iTunes, and uh, it'll be sent your way. No need for address. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And you can find us online at fantropological.com. If the website's not your bag, you can also check us out on various social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, all at The Next Cast. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you'd like to email us, perhaps let us know fandoms you'd like to see us cover or the numerous things that we missed in an episode about a fandom that you belong to. Nick at thenextcast.com is a place to send all that stuff. You can also check us out on Podbean or the Podbean app. I suggest you do. And... Uh, Until next time, remember, everyone's a fan. There should be like a plug for next uh, stinger, whatever you want yeah. to call it, for next. Uh, so next week is Harry Potter. Yes. Yes. Anybody have anything clever? Um, In terms of transition, Wingardia Episodia. So no one has anything clever. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Harry Potter. Fa- what? What house are you in? <laughs> the House of Fandom. That's right. Phantropologicals go on Harry Potter. It'll be a magical episode with air horns. I can hear the sarcasm in your voice. Waffle will... Ding, ding, ding. Hear that bell? It's time for Wizarding Podcasting 101 with Phantropological. We need a defense against the dark arts as we uh, wade through the mire of Harry <clears throat> Potter fandom. Snipe. Snipe. Savarus Snipe. Hello, everybody. It's me, Savarus Snipe, telling you to listen to Phantropological. <laughs> They're going to do a great episode on fans of Potter. <laughs> and you should give it a listen. Even my magic is not as strong as their combined power of friendship and <laughs> anthropological research. That can't be true. <laughs> talk about talk about how Quidditch swept the nation. Quidditch. 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 <laughs> Well, we made a nice little salad for Z to uh <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
<laughs> stitch them, stitch them all together into one supercut. Oh my gosh! A little wrap. <laughs>